I was just looking at this graphic we have for today. I know none of you have felt like that, especially not in the last, say, couple of years, right? I mean, at least to me, maybe it's just my own mood, but that doesn't look like laughter to me. That does not look like joy to me. That looks like, why me? Or what am I going to do now? And I think it's appropriate, along with this, the scriptures that we've read and, and some of the, what I'm going to be talking about. And, and I think especially about, since uh, Jennifer is a teacher, and I know many teachers in our congregation as well, what they might have been feeling over the past couple of years, which is all the changes and switches and things that they've, they've been trying to do as professionals with all of that. And what I'm going to share here happens a little later after the call of the disciples. I just want to share this with you. And teachers, I want you to take note, especially. Jesus took his disciples up the mountain and he gathered them around him and he taught them and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the merciful, blessed are they who thirst for justice, blessed are all the concerned, blessed are you when you're persecuted, blessed are you when you suffer, be glad and rejoice for your reward is great in heaven. Try to remember what I'm telling you. So Jesus finished his teaching. Simon Peter, one of his students, right, one of his disciples said, Will this count? And Andrew said, well, we have a test on it. And James said, when do we have to know it for? And Philip said, how many words? And Bartholomew said, well, I have to stand up in front of the others. And John said, the other disciples didn't have to learn this. Do I have to read it? And Matthew said, how many marks do we get for it? And Judas said, what is it worth? And the other disciples likewise tried to sort of pass the buck, right? Then, uh, then you're going to love this, teachers. And then one of the Pharisees, who was present, asked to see Jesus' lesson plan and inquired of Jesus his terminal objectives in the cognitive domain. And Jesus wept. Oh my gosh. Wow, what a description of being a teacher these days. Probably any day, but... Oh, word. These call stories. These call stories. In the year that King Uzziah died, says Isaiah. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, these call stories, these confrontations with the divine happen in a time and a place. I often think that when we hear of the spiritual, or we hear of God's, God's call on our lives, or, or God calling us into, into a vocation, or, or that we're supposed to be about something higher and greater than ourselves, that we spiritualize these things. 
that in some ways we think that they take us out of a time and a place, but that is not Christianity. That is not the story of the Old Testament or the New Testament. These things happen in a time and a place with a people, and especially for us, a person. And a person that we are called to be in a relationship with. For those of you who've been with us, we've walked through the catechism some over the past you know, nine months or so, six or eight months, however, whatever it's been. And we've learned that God is a trinity, a triunity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That our God is a relationship and that we were made for relationship with God. And so we are in a time and a place and we have relationships. Love God. You have to have a relationship with God to love. Love your neighbor, you have to have a relationship with your neighbor to love. Love yourself. You have to have a relationship with yourself to love. And how do we do that? Well, recently I was reading a book and it was about relationships and it was sort of mind-blowing in a way because I'd, I've been thinking a lot about this, about the relationship to the self, the relationship to the self, and how so many people... They, they hear, you know, you're supposed to love yourself. And when they get really honest, they'll say, I don't know how. What does that mean? Because throughout our lives, depending on how we were raised and, and, the, and the messages that we've heard and the traumas that we've endured and, and whatever else, oftentimes those inner voices... And I'm not talking about your multiple personalities now. I'm talking about your inner voices. Are often, they're often trying to protect you, but they're often not very loving in the way that they present. I think a couple of weeks ago I said, you know, when you go and you look at, in the mirror for the first time in the day, what's your first thought? Is it, oh man, I'm good looking. So happy to be alive. No, it's like, I look like a koosh ball. My hair's out to here. Not good. Man, you look tired. You know, it's these inner voices make it difficult to love ourselves. And so one of the ways that, that this author was talking about in terms of all relationships, one of the first things that, that we need to do is to be here in our relationships. And that's what I love about coming back to the scripture passage is that there's a time and a place in the year that King Uzziah died, when they were along the lake of Gennesaret, they were in a place and they were there. And you know, you can be somewhere and not be there. You ever been listening to a friend or, or someone or a business associate talking to you and you're, woo, somewhere else? Or something they, something they say takes you to some other remembrance or some other time? It's sort of like music sometimes. You know, you, a, a song comes on and you're like, woo, I'm back at the high school dance. I got stood up. I'm not feeling so good about my scene. You know, like all of us, it's just boom, 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 boom. You can, be, you can be gone. But one of the ways of being in good relationship is to be here, to do our very best to be with ourselves, to really listen to ourselves, to hear those voices and, and to evaluate them, but to, to maybe even ask, what do they really want for us? And also when we're with people that are important to us and maybe people that aren't so important to us, to just be here, to be present. 
to see them. How many times have I heard people say, I just don't feel seen. I feel invisible. And that makes me feel unlovable. What if, in the way that we are called, we could see people? Maybe we don't understand them. Maybe we don't, aren't able to empathize with them. Maybe we, maybe we have a hard time having compassion for them. But we could see them and be present with them. And what if we could do that for ourselves? It's a scary thing because when we get present and when we are seen, what happens when, when the divine shows up here? Like in the year that King Uzziah dies, here's all these amazing things that are happening in the temple as he's having this vision and there are seraphs and there's, there's wings and there's fires and there's people singing and the pivots on the threshold shake and, and, and Isaiah's like, woe is me. I'm not worthy of this. Isaiah is being seen and seen by the divine, seen by God, and that brings up for us, I think, all of our deficiencies. I talked about this when I talked about our brokenness and relating to sin and, and, and all of that, that, that oftentimes when we get confronted with real grace, we see our true brokenness. And oftentimes that can drive us to despair, but it ought not, right? Because grace is a free gift. Being seen by a loving and grace-filled God ought to draw us out, yes, to be honest about our fear, to actually be present, to be here, and to be able to honestly say, woe is me, I'm lost. I am not yet found, as an amazing grace tells us that this person was. I live among a people of unclean lips. I mean, the people around me are broken too, and, and yet I've seen God. I'm seeing God, and God is present with me, and that is scary because I'm being seen. And I'll tell you that when you begin to really see yourself, it can scare you a little bit. When you really see somebody else, that might scare them a little bit. Because maybe they've really never felt like they were seen before. And that brings about a vulnerability. And that happens in these call stories. Because now, these ones, these fishermen, Isaiah is vulnerable before God. What is God going to do with me? Is God going to hurt me? Is God going to smite me, we might say? But in these stories, God does neither of those things. God draws them close and invites them onto a different path, calls them after they're confronted and seen. So one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and says, now that this is such a relief, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. This very symbolic way, he said, I have unclean lips and I'm among a people of unclean lips. Okay, we're going to burn that out. Gone. Now that this has touched you, now, now that you've been seen, now that you've been cleansed, you're able to speak for me. And I don't know if you've listened to the, the call that Isaiah gets. It's, it's not go and make everybody happy. Everybody's going to love what you're having to say. 
Sometimes when we're confronted and called the things that we are called into, we are not going to see outcomes. We're not going to see progress. It may be like that ancient story of Sisyphus, you know, we're going to push the rock up the hill and when we get, we think we're getting somewhere, the rock's going to roll right over us. And we're going to go right back down to the bottom. Teachers, are you hearing me? (laughs) Parents, are you hearing me? But when we're confronted and called, we are also given the Spirit of God, the power of God to do the things that we are called to do, to confront ourselves and, and the ways that we are broken and the ways that we are ungenerous, the ways that we are unloving, the mistakes that we made, the way that we inadvertently hurt people. And God's grace then calls us to see that and to hold it and to offer it to God that we might be cleansed like that coal on the lips. We might be renewed so that we can once again see ourselves and we can see our neighbor and we can see God in a time and a place and a space because what I'm trying to say is, is that these calls, as we read these stories, we're like, oh, well, that was, that was this amazing vision. Like, I don't have visions. I'll raise my hand to that. I don't, I don't, ha- I don't, I've never had this King Uzziah vision type thing. I know some of you have. I know some of you shared with me that things happen to you and you're like, woo! I see differently. For me, it's more like this, you know, it's God's sort of like tapping and I don't hear very well. And then every once in a while, there's a little two-by-four that comes to swing in, and I duck, you know, and oh, oh, that, that, oh, that's what that's, that, okay. Or I get just smacked right upside the head with it, and I'm bleeding, and I'm sad because I realized that I haven't been doing what I've been asked to do, and I come again to be healed and to have those bandages put on by God, or by my friend, or by myself. The call, whatever it is on your life, and each one of us has some sort of vocation that we are called to. The work that we do, yes, to make money, to be able to live our lives, yes, that's part of our call, part of our vocation, part of our work. But it's the way that we do and live our lives that really is our vocation. It's the the way we live out what we're called to do, whether we're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an accountant, a dentist, uh, a retired person, a a nurse, a marketer, I mean, whatever it is that you do, there are ways that you can do that that you know are much more life-giving for the people around you than self-centered and selfish and life-taking for the people around you. It's not an easy way of life. That's one of the things about being a Christian, about, about living into the call, is that it calls all of you out. It causes us to be confronted with that call, that difficulty. When Simon Peter saw all the fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Again, confronted with the divine, confronted with something he cannot explain. He sees himself differently. But then Jesus says, don't be afraid. I have work for you to do. 
He doesn't say this, but I think it's in there. Be healed of your brokenness. Be set free from it. To live and to love into the call that we have been given. Brothers and sisters, we, like people of all time, but I think that we are so much more aware today because of technology and the internet and, and the instantaneous sharing of news. We are so much more aware of the inequalities, of the ways that people aren't seen, of the hurt around us, and it can be overwhelming. And so we must be here with ourselves. We must allow God to be here and present with us so that we can be healed, so that we can live into that call. And then we can begin to confront the things that we see around us with love and with grace and with hope, even if the message is not being received. And so... We're going to sing that song that says, Jesus, we are here. Jesus, we are here. Jesus, we are here. Jesus, we are here for you.